Hello and welcome to So What You're Saying Is. I'm Peter Whittle. Now, here we are at the beginning of a new year, nearly, and so it's fitting that we look at a subject which is very much going to affect our future one way or another. There's a very important book which has just been published, Youthquake, Why African Demography Should Matter to the World. The author of that is Edward Pace, uh, who is with me now. Edward is also the director of the Africa Research Institute. Um, thank you very much for coming at Youthquake. Why particularly is it called Youthquake, this book? Good question. Um, it, it's a bit of a play on the word. There are two aspects to it. The first relates to the absolutely staggering figures uh, in terms of what's happening to the various demographic trajectories uh, within Africa. Uh, by 2050, uh, the African population will have expanded by a factor of about 10 to two and a half billion uh, over the course of a century. Now, over the period of uh, Asia's fastest growth, um, it increased its population by about four times. Mm. So you will sometimes hear, um, uh, and this has been a phrase recurring over, uh, over many decades, you, you will hear people uh, allude to a population explosion in yeah. Africa. But in fact, um, the, 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 the rate of growth has been high since the 1950s. Right. And therefore, it seemed to me in, in, in finding a title for the book that this was a, a much more seismic move than an ex uh, seismic de development that, than an explosion. Yes. Um, and it continues now. Uh, I mean, there is no sign at the moment of, of, of growth tailing off. So just to put that in context, by 2050, Africa will account for about a quarter of the world's population as against less than 10% in 1950. The second aspect, which we can come on to, uh, is, uh, uses the term uh, as um, in an insurrectionary uh, context. Right. And, and what are all these young people going to do about this situation. So what do you, when you talk about young people, um, because we often discuss now ageing populations, say, for example, in Europe. Um, what is the median age then, if you can give us an idea? I mean, when, when, when we, because this is a young population, isn't it? It's a very young population. I mean, if you, if you look at, at, at Nigeria alone, um, which is the most populous country uh, on the continent, then uh, about two thirds of the population are below the age of 25. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking, the relevance of this in, in part is that if you're looking uh, uh, forward, uh, you have uh, an extraordinary demographic bow wave, as it were, here. Um, you have a certain amount of growth that is absolutely baked in just by the, the, the age structures yeah. you have within society and people's existing reproductive um, habit, habits. Um, but Nigeria aside, if you, if you look across the whole continent, uh, and there is variation obviously, but for the whole, whole continent, the median age is just below 20. Um, you know, we're up in the, in the 40s now, I think, yeah, here. Yeah. Uh, so still a, a very young continent. And, and going back to your 
your original question, you know, these kind of indicators have now not changed for decades. Yes. You know, the, yes. the, the, the median age has been below 20 forever. And in, in some countries, in the Sahel, for example, uh, and even in Uganda, it's 16 yeah. at the moment. Um, and uh, so nothing, nothing much is changing in Africa, uh, but Africa is going to very much um, come to the fore just because uh, you know it, it, its demographic size will will demand that people pay more attention in future because they sort of they don't do they I mean this is the point people don't really pay it much attention and or rather you would think that it would be paid far more attention than it is uh, in the, to the you know development of Africa and even the situation in Africa I mean I think the point I've been reading around it and the, and the, the point seems to be that you know, when we have geopolitical discussions, um, Africa sort of doesn't really seem to figure. Uh, absolutely. And I don't know how this will change, but it has got to change. I mean, you cannot have, uh, for instance, if we, we look at two things in very much in the recent news, um, that if you look at the treatment of Africa uh, during, uh, of African countries during the whole COVID pandemic, and if you look at uh, the, the, the treatment of Africa at COP26, you know, essentially you've got what is a, approaching a quarter of the world's population being treated as kind of big part players. Yeah. And I, I don't know how this will change. But, you know, if you if you look at our country, for example, uh, you, you know, it would be a, perhaps a sign of intent that ministers for Africa are not only there for three months in future. And um, it, 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 it has something to do with the fact that Africa has found it difficult to fulfill the basic tenets, tenets of the African Union and to act collectively. Mm. And I think one of the secrets will be uh, if that can be improved. Mm. Um, and that is down to them. And there are some extremely capable uh, politicians within the continent who are working on that. So, you know, for example, if we look at COP, uh, the next one is in Egypt, it may be that their, their, their collective position is put more strongly. Um, it's, uh, it, you know, the fragmentation of the of the continent, which is, after all, mm. 54 sovereign states, yep. mm -hmm. um, has in the past um, uh, precluded um, very strong collective action. Uh, and this has been to some degree exploited by both West and East. Um, and so you end up with a sort of slight balkanization in political terms. Yeah. Um, but also I would add that I think that in the West in particular, um, are the way we treat with African governments, the way we treat Africa uh, is, is completely outdated. Um, and I think this is to some degree um, exacerbated by sections of, of, of mass media where, you know, Africa's only relevance at any time is if it is for a crisis or for, you know, conflict or or famine or drought. Mm. And so everyone from the old to school children have an extraordinarily warped uh, view mm. of Africa, yeah. in my view. Mm. And uh, I, you know, I've, I've always been a, 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 a great um, 
uh, advocate for uh, more education in our schools, but, you know, whether it's contained within religious studies or history or whatever, yes, but yeah. just to give, um, you know, if you, if you go to a school to give a talk and you ask children for an image of Africa, they will generally say something about starvation or, yeah. or fighting. Yeah. And, you know, this is a huge continent. Mm. We forget this, 54 countries and a landmass into which you could fit China, India, Europe, mm, mm. Uh, Northern America, Japan, and uh, there it sits, kind of mm. in the middle of the map. Mm. And most people in the West know absolutely nothing about it. I mean, I think most people would be pushed to name more than, you know, eight or nine countries. Oh, it's that. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I, my argument in it, I don't have you, you know um, all the all, all all the answers for but we need to start by actually accepting the point that this this size in terms of demography um and the importance of the continent to issues like climate change mean that western governments and western uh broadcast media in particular have to uh, devise a way to be more informed and more informative mm, mm. Uh, a, about the continent. Because, uh, you know, let's move on from 2050. Demographic forecast projections uh, 20 or 30 years out on a global or continental level. Uh, the, the record's been pretty good from the, from the leading uh, demography houses. Um, if we get to where we're uh, and where it is anticipated that we will be in that time frame, which is a global population of about nine and a half, nine point seven billion against eight, which we will reach in January 2022. Really? Uh, then, you know, we are looking at um, a possibility of Africa being one in three of the world population. Mm. It will already by 2050 uh, have by far the largest workforce in the world. Mm. Another reason we have to pay attention. Mm. Mm. Um, one third of the global, of the world's youth, which is an age category between 15 and 24, will be African. These are things that are going to impact every aspect mm. of life you or mm. I could think about, Peter. Mm. I mean, from uh, the development of the four big formal religions, you know, Islam, uh, Anglican Christianity in particular, but Catholicism as well. Language, you know, the, by far the majority, 85% of French speakers will live in Africa. Uh, anything you can, fashion, uh, sport, yes. it yeah. will, um, it, but above all, perhaps, uh, the, the big issues like geopolitics, global trade patterns, etc. You you mentioned there there are religions. I think that's something that sort of uh, rather leapt out at me in the book. Uh, that in Christianity, for example, whether it is Anglicanism or Catholicism, um, Africa well could well well overtake, say, South America, and actually become the centre, couldn't it, for Christianity? If it isn't there already, yeah, yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that, uh, I mean, that's a very good question. I mean, a very good um, issue to, to raise, because I think conceptually we have to start thinking, um, uh, let's take Anglicanism. You know, it, um, there, there must come a point at which African churches will start um, flexing their muscles mm -hmm. more mm -hmm. rather than um, uh, kind of 
not being dictated to, but taking a lead from uh, the church in a small island to the north of of the Mm. European landmass, where the Anglican church is in complete decline, Mm. uh, as far as one can make out. Um, And, uh, you know, these are the sort of things I think, if I come up with any conclusion uh, uh, of the book rather than just the presentation of the figures, it is this point of having to reimagine Africa. Mm. And the, 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 the point you raise, the issue you raise about Anglicanism it is a really good one. Mm. Uh, you know, economists would, would say to you, well, we've got to think harder about this because of the number of consumers. Mm. You know, this is potentially uh, an absolute mega market. I think, as a, I mean, just with on the religion point, um, it, it sort of goes without saying that there's got to be, there will be an African pope, for example, at some stage in the next century. There's, you know, if this is uh, to, if you're to reflect the situation, the religious situation, um, it, this is speculation, I suppose, really, Edward. But do you think that uh, that means as well that we might see that cultural influence being quite a conservative one. I mean, in terms of religion, for example, Africa tends to be seen, I don't know whether it's right or wrong, as being certainly on the very conservative side of Christianity. Uh, I think in general that is true. Uh, I I mean, perhaps no conversation about the the church, uh, about the Christian church is complete without um, mentioning the, the... immense popularity of Pentecostalist yeah, uh, churches. Yeah. And um, I, I mean, Nigeria and, and, and Kenya in particular, I, I think that a great many of my friends and colleagues who I've worked with over the years at Africa Research Institute have been Pentecostalist. Mm-hmm. Um, Abiy Ahmed, the, 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 the leader of currently um, uh, uh, troubled Ethiopia, is very much a Pentecostalist. Mm. And, and that is an interesting development in, uh, in a country where the Orthodox Church, uh, the Ethiopian Orthodox Church, is, is, um, uh, is so strong. Um, yes, as a generalization, um, uh, churches of all uh, faiths are, are quite conservative. Mm-hmm. And you can see this in, um, uh, in the everyday narrative relating to um, homosexuality or, uh, and, and, and many other rights issues. Mm-hmm. Um, there are many uh, rights issues about which African societies think rather differently mm-hmm. to perhaps the dominant narrative in this country mm-hmm. now. Um, before we sort of go further, can we give people a picture? When we're talking about you know, enormous fertility, and, and here we are in a continent which basically, to all intents and purposes, appears to have stopped having children. That's often how it looks with Europe. Um, but there are obviously other parts of the world, it's the same situation in Japan. Um, what is the kind of, what is the contrast? What are the different figures? How many children? I mean, I know we're talking about 54 different countries, but can you give us an idea of, you know, how many yeah, children? Yeah, a- absolutely. I mean, in, in Europe, the 
fertility rate in uh, I think all countries now is is, is below two. Now, um, when you have developed country levels of mortality, the replacement fertility rate is about 2.1 births, yeah. slightly higher in in less developed countries uh, because you have um, lower life expectancy and higher mortality. Uh, now, um, I mean, ours in the UK at the moment, our fertility rate is, is about 1.7, for example. So it's below replacement. It's below replacement. And the, the reason that populations continue to grow is uh, the, the, the third big component. Uh, you have fertility, mortality and migration, of course. Mm. So um, in this country, for example, growth of the population over the last um, 30 years has been largely driven by migration. Um, in Africa, the Average, so if, if you look at the continent as a whole, uh, four and a half uh, mm. is the fertility rate. There are uh, considerable differences and um, one leading demographer uh, came up with the great phrase of um, when you're talking about um, African demography, no generalization holds true. And it, mm. it is absolutely true. We have to inevitably talk sometimes in terms yeah, of yeah. generalizations. But to break that down, um, in the northern African countries uh, on the Mediterranean coast, uh, fertility is between three and three and a half. So they're on their way through uh, or, or nearing for, uh, a replacement level fertility. The interesting thing there, which is also fueling further growth, is that, uh, uh, that, that fertility appears to have stalled in many countries at about three rather than continuing to fall. Mm. Um, in southern Africa, uh, most countries, I mean, South Africa's um, fertility rate is now about 2.2. Um, and neighboring countries also, so mm. Namibia, Zimbabwe, uh, all have fertility rates three or below and they are completing what's called the fertility transition where they will come to replacement level or below the picture in the middle is very different uh you know the two real engines of growth because of their current size and also their 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 um, uh, their, their, their fertility outlook are eastern and western africa and middle or central Africa. Right. And um, in Eastern and Western, the, the uh, fertility rate is closer to, to five at the moment, right. four and a half to five. Right. Right. And there are few exceptions in, in any of those three regions. Um, so so where, does this, where does this end up? It means that Eastern and Western Africa will each have populations larger than Europe by 2050. We can say that now with, with some certainty. By 2050. By 2050. So that's how, how, how big these regions are. Um, no, it, 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 it is an extraordinary uh, phenomenon in a way that, that this is something that is not really, as we said, discussed particularly, not, not, certainly not in, in the West. There are certain kind of quite... I suppose, cliched reasons that are put forward uh, for populations going down. And one, for example, is classic one is the education of women, um, that this changes uh, people's behavior. And also, for that matter, urbanization, things like this. Um, from what I can see in your book, Edward, it seems that that hasn't made that much difference 
again, I'm talking about Africa. I'm sure there are huge variations. Is that right? Uh, but that's, that's absolutely right. Um, I mean, t two aspects. You know, one, why has it gone under the radar? Well, as you and I can remember, in the 70s, 80s and 90s, mm. um, the population explosion was a big thing mm. and a big political issue. So if you go back to the 70s, then uh, you had this, this notion that all um, high fertility, rapidly expanding countries in Asia in particular were liable because of the poverty that this would supposedly uh, uh, um, generate mm. uh, or replicate. Um, they were all potential commies, you know, mm. uh, to, to coin a phrase. Mm. So, you know, I started this book uh, on in the, the uh, and it was a sort of deliberate marker in a sense, 50 years from the publication of Paul Ehrlich's great uh, The Population Bomb, yep. 1968, which was, um, uh, you know, a, a bestseller, sells, sold, has sold millions of copies, and, and Paul Ehrlich still going strong and um, a, and predicting the, 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 the imminent sort of uh, um, implosion of the human race. Mm. Um, now, that played to uh, really very strong feelings that there were too many people in the world mm. at the time. It wasn't only political. I've, uh, I've mentioned the sort of Cold War mm. side. It was also related to food stocks mm. and mm. food supplies. In the 60s, you had repeated famines, particularly mm. in India, of, of really you know, ghastly proportions. And it, 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 in the case of the Indian famines, uh, the USA was, pr you know, providing huge sums, uh, huge quantities of, of foodstuffs to try and keep people alive. So, um, so it was a, it was a kind of double whammy of, of, of um, the, the world will never be able to feed itself carries on like this, um, and politics, uh, fast fast breeding populations are may go over to the other side mm. as as mm. it was seen in the West. Mm. But in the 90s, the idea of a population explosion uh, kind of fizzled out and is, uh, you know, started to be considered taboo. Part of it was because fertility had fallen very fast in Asia mm. and people were slightly blindsided by Africa because its, its population was smaller than Asia's. Mm. Um, and th there are a number of other reasons we could come back to if you, as to why it became a taboo. But the, 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 the mention of uh, explosions or uh, aggressively um, uh, disseminated family planning programs, uh, etc., uh, you know, became taboo. And this was at the same time as we had the HIV crisis. Yes, so yes. funding through the 90s um, was transferred from supporting uh, fertility programs to uh, to tackling HIV and AIDS, which Africa was, you know, tragically um, affected. Is by. it still, by the way, a crisis, HIV? Well, yes, it is. Uh, mm. But um, the uh, retrovirals and, and so forth are, are, are readily available. Right, so okay. treatment is available in, you know, in any country. Mm. Um, so mortality rates are, are, I mean, it's clearly in some countries still an effect on, 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 on mortality. Mm, mm. Um, but that said, life expectancy is rising pretty fast everywhere. Mm, mm. Um, so we can't downplay what a crisis uh, HIV and AIDS was mm. f for the continent. Mm. But, you know, worldwide, I think the t 
total number of deaths caused is is said to be about 30 million, mm. which is obviously a huge and tragic figure. But in terms of both the continent's population and the global population, yeah. this is, uh, you know, dare I say it, a sort of uh, a slight bump in the road yeah, uh, yeah, because yeah. of population momentum. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, in terms of these, another, you, you alluded to, uh, quite rightly, to another aspect. There was a feeling around the same period, uh, 90s, early 2000s, that actually um, with, with um, uh, the increase of education, particularly of women, uh, and, and urbanisation, all these factors which were associated with, I underline the word, with falling fatality in Asia, um, you know, could also be detected in Africa, ergo fertility rates would fall in the same way. Yeah. Well, in some countries, that has, to a degree, been the, be, been the case. Um, I think you could say that about uh, North African countries. And in most cases, they also, um, governments sponsored and supported pretty competently conducted campaigns to make family planning, modern contraception available, starting with Tunisia with a particularly uh, well-regarded program in the history of, of, of family planning initiatives. But you can find as many exceptions to these rules at the moment still uh, a, 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 as you can conformists to the, mm. to the rules. Mm. I mean, for example, um, well, it, it's very common to, to hear people say, oh, you know, I was in a cafe in Nairobi um, last week and talking to these, you know, really bright young women who come out of the university and they all told me that they won't have more than two children. Well, that's absolutely, you know, right. You mm. can find people like that. And Addis Ababa, mm. uh, the total fertility rate, for very interesting reasons that I won't go into at length now, but is below two. But it has been below two for many decades. And it has uh, to do with Addis Ababa's particular socioeconomic history. Um, but so this so Addis Ababa is often cited as an example of how cities bring fertility for fertility lower. If you look at, at the, the, the overall urban fertility rate in Ethiopia, it's about four and a half or five. Right. So, right. you know, this actually emphasizes how exceptional uh, Addis Ababa is, even within its own country, mm. never mind across Africa. Mm. Um, ditto. Uh, if you look at Nigeria, among the wealthiest quintile uh, of, of women, um, the fertility rate is, is still around four and a half children. So in, in, in layman's terms, that means women who have completed secondary education and maybe even university as well, who are in the richest 20% of the population are still choosing to have quite a lot of children mm. by in, um, reference to the, the rest of yeah. the world. The same in, in take another populous country, Democratic, Democratic Republic of Congo, DRC. Um, there too, women who've completed secondary education are still at the moment having on average six children. So these uh, exceptions, I haven't the people who pluck the exceptions are not me and the demographers who know about Africa. Mm. They're people who don't know about Africa and the demography of Africa. Right. Because you, you can find these, 
you know, they, they, there is a tendency in the part of those people to find one example and say that's what will happen everywhere. They may be right, but not in the next 30 years. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's one of the fascinating things about Africa's demography is that it, it, it is so heterogeneous. Mm. Uh, um, and, and you get very uh, almost um, uh, counterintuitive and, and rather arresting differences, even within the same countries. Mm. I mean, let's take a country like Kenya, for example, at the moment, where, you know, central province, um, just north of Nairobi, a prosperous, mostly agricultural region, has fertility, uh, a, a replacement level fertility now, um, 2.1 births. In Nairobi, the capital, it's still over three. Mm. Um, in uh, the Somali districts, uh, I, by which I mean those neighbouring Somalia, where a lot of the, the population are ethnically Somali, um, the, the, the fertility rate is, you know, between six and seven births. Mm. So you have extraordinary um, uh, variations within individual countries as well. And, and these um, this variety... I mean, an, a, a, another um, piece of received wisdom, which particularly is particularly relevant in in in, in Nigeria, is that it is not just the Muslim North where there are high fertility rates, and in the Christian mm. South, mm. A, a there are pockets of, of the the other major religion all around the country, but also you know overall um, in in in. There are many Christian, uh, predominantly Christian regions in southern Nigeria where fertility rates are as high as they are in uh, predominantly Muslim northern districts. Right, right. So almost any of these golden rules, you know, this mm. is how demography works, uh, it, you know, can be broken into smithereens in, in, in the the, the 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 countries particularly of eastern western and and middle africa what are the implications do you think for a country like britain you know what, what when you look at the huge changes that are going to be over the next century how will it affect britain most people see it pretty much in terms of migration at the moment but i think your book makes clear as well that there's a huge amount of internal migration and, and going elsewhere, we see a certain part of it. The, uh, there is. Um, you know, migration is a topic that, that interests me enormously um, uh, and one I've studied quite carefully within, within Africa, what, what people are, why people choose to, to, to migrate and, um, and, and what they tend to do. Um, I mean, migration is clearly one of the things that uh, uh, that, that will alter, and that, that within Europe, um, I would say we need to be far more clear. Mm. I'm not sure we ever will be, because it's such a political hot potato. Mm. But um, it, 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 we need to be far more clear about um, the sort of uh, migration regimes or whatever that uh, we as the UK and the European community, you know, would like to um, uh, to develop. Um, I, I don't have any hard and fast um, uh, certainties about 
where we'll be with this. Mm. There was a wonderful article in the New Yorker in, uh, I think it was in 1968, with predictions for the next 50 years, and they were also hopelessly wrong. And I, so I really don't mm. you know, feel like being, well, I won't last 50 years, but I don't want to be hoisted by my mm. own petard. My, my conclusion is we, 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 we need to start thinking about this. Yeah. We really do. Mm. And, you know, there are some wonderful suggestions uh, out there. I mean, wonderful as in, uh, um, uh, you know, examples of, of lateral thinking or whatever, of, of you know, who... Large communities of European pensioners being cared for on, you know, in coastal Africa by people who can then stay near their homes but earn, you know, mm. better wages, etc., etc. On the other hand, um, you know, there are people predicting uh, as a certainty that um, the populations of Africa and Europe will, over the next five years, essentially meld. So yeah. that by in 50 years' time, more than two-thirds of the population would have both um, uh, European, of whatever country, and, and African blood. I mean, there would be of mixed-race heritage. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know exactly what's mm. going to think, but it, it's, the, 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 it's the, um, the utter myopia with which this mm. continent, right bang on our doorstep, um, is it, it is treated on the whole mm. that um, myopia may not be the right word, but I mean, it, it, um, you know, that's the first thing we need to get over. And I, th I think it's in all respects. What I would say is, you know, migration is obviously a, 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 a big issue, um, but you know, bear in mind you've got as high unemployment in the right through southern Europe among the youth mm. as you do. Uh, you, you know, the figures in, in, in northern and sub-Saharan Africa. So, you know, you've got to take a pretty holistic view of, uh, of, of this whole issue. But the, I, I mean, I, in terms of business engagement and mm. so forth, uh, I think that one, um, one needs uh, a radical rethink in many respects. Um, I think that uh, predatory practices, let's say, um, are still very common. Mm. And another thing I would say is that in terms of the, the, develop, the, the, the delivery of development assistance is still too, or aid to you and I on the street, um, is, off, is too often um, does not hold up to um, it, it, its own rules mm. of being natural partnerships. Mm. Um, you know, too often mm. the, the whip hand, as it were, sort of not a good phrase to use, sorry, but um, yeah, it, 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 it is, um, the dominant partner is, is the outsider. Yeah. And, you know, we've been, we've been supposedly embracing the idea of partnerships for over 20 years. I mean, the Paris Declaration, everything... Um, at the beginning of the of the century, was that all development assistance should be partnerships, and you know you get get on the ground, and too often it's it's just not. And you know if the look if you look at the way the World Bank and IMF engage, uh, something about which memories are very long in Africa, and that comes back to the, their views on population too. I hasten to add. Um, you know, things have changed, but um, 
I would say attitudes are still um, outdated. If you have a hugely young continent, um, which tends to imply also, therefore, there's a level of dynamism that, that could, you know, be utilised. Um, is that happening in Africa? You know, or do people still want to just get out of Africa? You know, I mean, if you've got a young, uh, maybe more educated population, presumably that would lead to greater prosperity, to improvement generally. Well, uh, th that's a great question to ask now because it brings us back to the second definition yeah. of youthquake, and mm. and uh, you know we we are globally in a uh, in a new age of protest. Mm. I think now, and Africa is no exception. Although you will see articles written by sort of prob prominent public intellectuals about protest around the world, and and you will see not a single African country. Do you go into to. it in, in the book quite uh, a bit? Don't I, you? I, I, I do. Yeah. I mean, they sort of pet subject and mm. here we are we have this most extraordinary uprising in Sudan that has just passed its third anniversary where the young and women in, in particular are saying no enough is enough mm. and it is it has proved even for the military impossible to uh, basically completely grab power back now that's uh, you know that was very rare 30 years ago, it's becoming increasingly common mm. um, uh, in Africa um, uh, without wishing to generalise too much. But you, you, you are, because of the, the, the enormous number of young people who are now more educated and they are much better connected, not only within their regions, but globally. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you re it really is the age of protest. And... Uh, uh, even the the most cynical old guard are finding it harder and harder to um, to tackle uh, and counter the innovative means of protest with which the young are coming up. Mm. Um, now, why are they? Because of hopelessness. Um, I mean, in this in this decade, about. 250 million uh, young Africans will reach working age, 15. Um, we have about, they have about 750 million uh, at the moment as uh, within the working age, 15 to 64 years. So that's roughly the population of Europe yep. to put that in context. Now, this, these 250 million youngsters who you know, want a job, um, let's call it 20 million a year, round it down. Throughout the continent, <clears throat> about 3 million decent jobs are being created every year. And that's throughout not the continent. throughout the continent. So you've got a vast deficit. Mm. And for the remainder, they're, they're either um, having to join the hustler economy, essentially, anything from selling phone cards to, you know, endless short term mm. uh, on the hop type jobs. Very unsatisfactory indeed, if you are a qualified engineer or you have an engineering degree or a law degree uh, or whatever. Um, now, in the past, agriculture has acted as the sponge. Uh, 
and in most countries um, it still does, but it's extremely questionable mm. for how long, you know, family holdings are becoming smaller on the whole. Um, agricultural productivity is increasing. It's one reason that, you know, foodstuffs are, there hasn't been the food crisis in Africa that, that was predicted in the 70s. Um, and of course, most young people don't actually want to, uh, if they've been educated, they don't want to remain on a family small holding yeah, for their yeah. life. Their, their horizons are wider than a, than a generation yes. ago. So this question of this is the other youth quake, um, not just the, 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 seismic, the, the seismic surge of, uh, uh, of numbers, but also this sort of, you know, sense of uh, this rattling sense of discontent. Now, of course, for most relating to the, um, the, the migration issue, I mean, many more migrate within the continent than, uh, than, 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 than go overseas. And, and going overseas is on the whole a rich person's pursuit. Yeah. Uh, um, we all know from the television and everything how much people pay to people smugglers and so forth. And it is a lot of money. Now, uh, you know, wider families will invest in somebody to make the journey. But um, and of course, there will continue to be increasing numbers. But I have no I have no idea, uh, you know, how much greater. I mean, people, you know, whether you're in Senegal or in Eritrea, people know the risks now and the costs are high and they know uh, that when they get where they're going, it may not be how mm. it was depicted. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, the, the, the idea that within the next, you know, 10 years, there's going to be, uh, well, you know, a flood, let's, let's think about this term, a flood of refugees or migrants in terms of where they're coming from uh you, you know these are tiny drops mm. not a flood i mean if you look at 2015 what is constituted to be a flood in european terms in political circles you mean the uh, in germany yeah, uh, yeah. absolutely mm. a million is mm. you know mm. so that, that that's why clearly that the management uh uh, and everything of 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 migration has to be, um, uh, you know, and I'm I'm not being rude to those who do think about it. You, the, mm. the EU um, trust fund and everything. Is, this is their preoccupation, and there are no easy answers. Um, yeah, I mean, the point about this book, because I think you also say this that when people talk about these sort of developments, uh, men. Often they have agendas, don't they? Political agendas, things like that. You, you, you're quite matter-of-fact in this book. You just put the f facts forward. When did you... Where did your interest in Africa originate then? Okay. Oh, first from doing... Uh, uh, from learning African history uh, at university uh, under three, uh, in particular, great, great tutors. John Lonsdale, uh, John Eilif and David Anderson, uh, all three of them still in harness uh, as profs. Um, and John Eilif, uh, um, 
who didn't choose to be, but I, I went to his lectures. Is is great expert on on demography. That's one of his um, his his major topics. So the interest began began there. But I've been writing about the continent since uh, the early nineties, and um, I've been fortunate enough to run Africa Research Institute for the last uh, twelve years, um, and its purpose. You, you will detect throughout the book that <clears throat> where possible, um, uh, I, I always draw an expert opinion from, uh, from an African mm, academic mm, or a mm. uh, business person or whatever. Um, you know, I've tried to situate this book um, not just as uh, the view from the outside in, but the, the inside out as yeah. well. Um, and. Uh, a lot of the people quoted I've been lucky enough to work with or come across over 12 years at Africa Research Institute, where we've always been far more interested about what leading African commentators, figures um, think about their situation than <coughs> what a department in Whitehall thinks about it. So we always sort of try to situate ourselves within yeah. the continent rather than within within Whitehall, as it were. Have you ever lived in Africa? Mm. Uh, I lived in Africa for uh, most of the 1990s. Oh, right. I, whereabouts? I, whereabouts? Uh, I had a city career in financial markets initially right. for the first uh, 10 years of my working life. And uh, then I decided that wasn't for me. And I went to Eritrea and wrote the first guidebook to right. uh, Eritrea just after the country become independent right. in 1993. So I was in and out of Eritrea and Ethiopia for about three years, and then based mostly in Kenya, um, writing other books there. And in the early 2000s, um, moved on to writing a history of the First World War in Africa, rather like demography. You, know, you, yes. you had this just massive and terrible uh, uh, fight in, 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 in Eastern Africa, um, drawing in millions and millions of people. And most people aren't even aware it mm. took place. And, and, and um, you know, the, when it is referred to, it's always rather referred to rather disparagingly as a sideshow. Mm. Well, I understand mm. the war wasn't decided in, in Eastern Africa, but it, it's another of the yeah, it, it's the same thing as I'm talking about with the demography. You know, this, mm. this is all, everything in this book is well known to Africa-focused demographers, but it's not in our general yeah. narrative yeah. Uh, yet at all, and or our general uh, imagination. Um, well, and, and I think, you know, it will be, if necessary, by force. You know, mm. if we just carry on in policy terms and everything, mm. uh, treating with Africa in the same way, envisaging Africa in the same way, it, it, it'll, be, it'll be catastrophic. Mm. Uh, I mean, I think that Western countries ha have to acknowledge the, the sheer weight of numbers uh, and start rethinking. Um, I mean, so much of the engagement is still so patronising. That's mm. really mm. what I come down to. And, mm. um, that, that's a mistake. That's just a mistake. Well, look, I mean, um, you say that, you know, the narrative's got to be changed. I mean, this is obviously your book is a very important step in that direction, hopefully. Um, anybody interested in demography or the future, actually, 
uh, should read it. Youthquake there. That's my Edward Pace. Um, thank you very much for coming in. Thank you, Peter. And, um, very much. All the very best for the book. And thank um, you. maybe we can talk to you again about a year's time you know, and see, see where we are. Well, that would be wonderful. Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, I, I, I hope... Uh, I don't you know what difference can I make. Well, we'll, <laughs> but, see. we'll um, see. It's very rare, you know. A lot of a lot of um, the, the, the the real experts on African demography, their knowledge is largely confined to to academic press yes. and and policy yes. documents. Yes. I, this is. I, I, I realize this book is not a sort of pot boiler, but it, it was a uh, involved a concerted attempt to make it for a general reader. Oh no! Uh, uh, and, and so it's it's for anyone interested in Africa, which, as I say, I think we, we all ought to be. Yeah. On that note, thank you very much. Sir. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. Uh, that's it for so. What you're saying is this week. Uh, we shall see you next time. Thank you. Hello. If you're enjoying the New Culture Forum channel and you believe in our mission, may I invite you to join our membership scheme at the link below or on our website newcultureforum.org.uk. Our work is more important now than ever and we have great plans ahead for the future but we can't do it without your support. From as little as £3 per month you can help ensure that we continue on our mission. As a member you'll receive a range of benefits including access to exclusive content, invitations to our private events including here at our studios, free copies of our books, and much, much more, including, of course, our famous NCF mug. If you aren't able to become a member, then please help us by clicking this button and subscribing to our channel. It's completely free. Just remember to also click the bell icon so that you can get notifications when we post new videos. Thank you.